Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me today, we got nobody solo again, although I've been dog-sitting another dog this week. So we got one extra pup in the house. It's been chaos. I got to tell you, it's been chaos. A good chaos. Love dogs. But they've been running, playing nonstop. This one's about one year old. I should probably wrap up this intro and go back to tending as opposed to just leaving my wife uh, to deal with them by herself. So let's just get on with this. We're brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the week this week, it's Greg Anthony. Now. This is an Easter egg, but why Greg Anthony? Everyone thinks he's a UNLV man, and yes, of course he is. But prior to going to Las Vegas, he was up in Portland. Yes, that's right. Go look it up. He spent a year in Portland, and of course, we have uh, a great interview coming up with an assistant coach for the Portland Pilots, but your college hooper of the week, it's Greg Anthony. We're brought to you by Royal Digital Marketing, aka RDM. RDM specializes in website development and digital marketing for small businesses and startups. So if you need a website, you got to contact them at colin at royaldigital.co. That's C-O-L-I-N at royaldigital.co. And make sure to check out the website at theaterincollegehoops.com. This podcast will be up there. Uh, New blogs, hopefully, as as we continue on with this off-season but make sure to check out the website there. Again, that's theaterandcollegehoops.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. Shoot, Paul, the runner! Loose ball! It's good! 
All right. We got a great episode coming up for you guys. All right. Terrific interview with Portland assistant coach. We got Jeremy Pope. He's a friend of Mark Rogers, who we had on last time, who was very insightful, was very fun, energetic. This is the exact same type of interview. Jeremy was not bashful in sharing his responses. He really opened up about his coaching journey, and it's fascinating. The most mind-blowing thing really to me is how young him and Mark and Ruben are and how ambitious, how they've networked so well, how they've gotten to the places that they are right now, which is D1 on a D1 coaching staff, which should not be uh, should, should not be snuffed at, right? It should not be sneezed at. These guys are so young, doing a wonderful job. So let's go ahead, dive in, and get to know a little bit more about our guy here, Jeremy Pope. All right, we are thrilled to welcome to the program an assistant coach at the University of Portland. Jeremy Pope is here. Jeremy, how's your summer been so far, man? How's the offseason? You just let me know you're in the middle of a move. You're a busy man. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's the summertime, so you kind of never know. Uh, we just got done with our guys. They were with us for the last seven weeks. Uh, so that was good to get the new guys. We filled about half. The, we had about six new guys that came in um, and a couple of walk-ons that came in. So that was good. Uh, what else would happen? Uh, I mean, that's really it. Getting guys better, trying to have some fun because season's finally over. So the days are a little bit shorter and you got your weekends to yourself now again, which will soon end and probably another month and a half. So, uh, I mean, it's been good for the most part, I man. I can't complain. Um, my wife has been up in Portland more this summer, so that's been fun. Um, what else? I was in Syracuse for a little while. I got to see some familiar faces. and It's been good. I can't complain at all. It's been good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, and uh, you touched on a lot of items that I want to get into. That Syracuse connection is really interesting to me. There's clearly some history there, and – you're the head coach of Bayheim's Army. I'm curious to know about the TBT, all of that good stuff. But before we dive into all of that, we're lucky to have you on because of a previous guest that we had. That was Mark Rogers, who's currently an assistant coach at Wyoming. He referred you. And so I'm curious to know a little bit about your uh, relationship there with Mark. And I don't know, did you blush a little bit when, when I let you know that Mark wanted you on this program? Uh, I mean, I laughed a little bit just because that's usually how it was the last out of the probably six podcasts I've been on in my career so far. Mark probably let me in on the last two of them, I think. So it's just like Mark Rogers in the subject line, like people know I'm gonna answer it. Uh, that's my guy. So you know, me and Mark go back a, a while. I'm about four and a half years older than Mark. Um, but I grew up, uh, Southern California people would know I grew up a lot. That was a rockfish kid. Um, that's who I played AAU for and coach for. And then Mark was a Compton Magic kid. So, uh, you know, just being in Southern California, playing basketball and knowing the same big bros and the same mentors um, and being in the same gyms a lot, uh, me and Mark's relationship probably started. We, we both probably can't tell you, like, how long we've known each other, but it's been a, it's been a long time. And we've got a lot of mutual friends and, and family and that type of deal. So, uh Marcus, Marcus, my guy. It's my little bro. Uh, he looks out for me. Look out for him. It's my guy. I can't say enough about him, man. He's he's a superstar. So, for sure, two two very young up and coming coaches like you guys. <laughs> I mean, you guys have 
it's crazy to me, man. It's Jeremy. It's really crazy to me how young you both are and yet Mm -hmm. how many stops you've been at and how accomplished you guys are. And if you look at the names on your resume, especially as it pertains to coaching, it's fascinating to me. Again, going back to how young you both really are. Take us through your journey of coaching. Start from the beginning. I mean, you're obviously a player, but at some point you got to say to yourself, I'm going to approach this from the sidelines. Take us through your coaching journey and how you ended up there at Portland. Yeah. Um, I mean, my coaching journey started when I was younger, to be honest. Like, I mean, like I'm talking like seven, eight years old. Uh, my auntie tells this story and she gets on me every time I tell it because I kind of tell it wrong. Uh, but obviously every kid when they're young, they want to be in the NBA. And, um, uh, my family who are forward thinkers and, you know, they kind of try to make sure at the end of the day that I'm good. You know, she's like, well, what if you don't play for the, I said, I want to play for the Lakers. She said, well, what if you don't play for the Lakers? And I, she said, I looked at dad in their face and I said, well, I'm going to coach them then. Uh, so I always knew I wanted to coach. I just somehow knew at seven, eight years old that someday I was going to stop playing. Uh, and that's what I wanted to do to stay around the game. That was just my notion of staying around the game, whether it be coaching, refereeing, and whatever other avenue that you can be in to stay around the game for a long time. Um, that was the one I chose. And, uh, you know, I always knew I wanted to do it. Uh, like I kind of mentioned, uh, I played for the Los Angeles Rockfish AAU program when I was coming up in high school. And Dave Benezra, who is the founder and program director, and at the time he was my head coach. He had coached the program for a long time. Uh, he's a mentor of mine. Uh, I can't say enough about him. He he wouldn't take the credit, but in in, in a lot of ways, he kind of changed my life and kind of helped direct it. And, uh, you know, I remember one day he had called me and I was still trying to play. This is kind of after college. I was still trying to play um, and get an overseas deal and that kind of thing. And he called me up and was like, man, why don't you come like, you know, work out with some of the kids? So I'm like, cool, it's a workout. So lo and behold, I get there. And a little small guard is like running around the gym. I'm trying to keep up with him. I mean, he's really good. He's fast. And I look at Dave, I'm like, man, this kid's pretty good. He said, yeah, I know. So I'll tell you to come. Lo and behold, that kid is Kihei Clark. Uh, Kihei won a national championship at Virginia, as everybody knows, as a freshman. He's had a hell of a career, and he's still having it currently. So that one workout turned me like coaching and kind of helping Kihei uh, you know, just become a better basketball player. Then I started coaching, and then you look up, I'm coaching with the program two and a half years. Uh, so I eventually ended up finishing my degree. I coached Rockfish two and a half years. Uh, what did I do next? I graduated. So when I graduated from Cal State LA, that was the first time in my life I hadn't played. I wasn't a student athlete. I was just a student. Uh, so when I got done playing at Biola, I wasn't finished yet. So I had about a year left of school. I finished it at Cal State LA. And then right after that, uh, I got into the grad program at the University of Washington. So in which the only reason I was getting into the grad program, it was to be a graduate assistant. So if I wasn't trying to become a graduate assistant, I probably don't have a master's degree. And, uh, hey, counts all the same, man. Hey, I got one. So, That's right. Uh, you know, so my year, my first and only year at Cal State LA, the new athletic director was a guy named Dr. Dale Gross, who was the former Syracuse AD for 11 years, 10 or 11 years. Um, so I was going to University of Washington to work for Coach Romar, 
in which Coach Romar's two of his nieces are two of my best friends that I grew up with since I was a child. So I watch more Washington basketball. I've been to more Washington basketball games than any other college program in my life. And I'm six feet tall, but I just hit six feet probably in the last few years. So, you know, watching Nate Robinson and Isaiah Thomas do what they did at the University of Washington at their size, like I was a fan. So the goal do you think some, go, real quick, Jeremy, do you think uh-huh. that subconsciously sort of drew you to Kihei as well? Because he's a diminutive guard and a great player. Uh, not in the same light because Kihei was younger than me. So those guys being older than me, I kind of was like always looking up to him. And I was like factually still playing for sure at that time. Uh, Kihei was just really good. So it's just like, goodness, this kid is really good. I just want the help. So it was a little different, but yeah. Uh, and probably more so because Kia played my position as well. So that kind of world really bled into that relationship. Um, so where's I? Uh, so Coach Romar, as everybody knows, unfortunately gets let go. And I'm like, I guess I'm in the business because I've been doing AAU. But like in my mind, like that was like, you know, the the step. Like that's the one I had to have. And Coach Romar got let go. And I'm feeling like, oh, my God, like, I'm really in this business already. Like, I'm not even working for the man yet. And I'm sitting here on eggshells wondering, like, if I got a job still. So he, of course, he gets let go. Um, and I remember I was in Las Vegas with a couple of friends of mine. And there was a report that came out about who may or may not get the job. And I'll say there was five names on the whatever article. It may have been ESPN. Maybe. I'm not sure. The only person whose name on the list I did not know was Mike Hopkins. Everybody else on the list, I'm kind of like, ooh, I think I got a chance. Like, I like, I know I got a chance. If these, one of these four get it, obviously the fifth guy who I don't know gets it. Do you remember so, Do you remember who some of those other names were by chance? I'm trying to recollect on that because it's been a little bit now. At the time, I cannot recollect. And I don't want to just be throwing names around the wall. Sure, hoping sure. Stuff stick. I can't remember. I but can't you remember... remember exactly. You remember you had a shot, like you thought personally. But you I remember looking at the four names, like it. I yeah. knew them to some degree or like was one degree away from, from knowing them. Uh, and, you know, I think people kind of don't understand, like when it's time to be a GA, like GA, being a graduate, being a graduate student and being a GA for a college program doesn't work the same way that it does for undergrad. Like they can't like, you know, call that mission's office and say like, hey, can we – like no, either you can get in or you can't. Either you can or you can't get in. So for me, I'm thinking like, man, like out of those four dudes, like man, I'm already in. I'm already in the program. Like all they got to do is accept me. So Coach Hopkins get the job, uh, and then like immediately my head is spinning, and I'm like, oh, Dr. Gross. We had built a pretty good relationship throughout the year. Um, he was at Cal State LA, but obviously, given his, you look at his resume, he's been at USC, been at Syracuse for 10, 11 years. Successful guy. Um, and we just had a really good relationship and he told me if I ever need anything, let him know. So, you know, people tell me stuff. I usually hold, hold him to it. So I called, he answered, uh, he said he had been, he was about to speak to coach Hopkins soon anyway. So sent him my resume and, uh, another friend of mine was a GA in Washington, probably about three years before that. And he had knew the video coordinator and director of ops. And I kind of use those three avenues and, you know, you look up and I'm a graduate assistant at the University of Washington with Coach Hopkins in his first year as a head coach. So uh, that's how that played out. 
That's incredible. So, yeah. Yeah. That's how well, that I mean, didn't, part of the journey played out. I was going to say it didn't stop there. Right. So how did you yeah. move then from Washington? I think I have a decent understanding about how you mm-hmm. got to be head coach of Bayheim's army, but I'm, mm-hmm. take us through chronologically after that Washington journey as well. And you know how you're still up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, so, you know, I finished my year. So my, my graduate program at the University of Washington was a 13-month program. So I only spent one year there. Uh, but fortunately, though, the city of Seattle and the basketball scene there, I was having a conversation with somebody earlier. Like, it's one of the most familial-feeling cities that I've experienced uh, in my life. Like, Seattle people between, like, Will Conroy, Jamal Crawford, Alvin Snow, Trey Simmons. Like those, I can call those dudes on the phone right now and they answer. Like, and I'm just a young dude from LA, uh, and they accepted me and like all my big brothers now, basically. So, uh, you know, being there was great. And then, you know, leaving. So I'm kind of like, man, I chose this 13 month program because I don't want to be in school forever. But now it's like, well, I can't come back here and I need a job. Like, goodness, what's next? So one day, I remember I came back from Final Four day years in San Antonio. Coach Hopkins had called me, and he said, uh, somebody called me about you. They're at such and such school, and the school was Orangeville Prep, and they're looking for a guy like me. But when he said the school and where it was, I, did, I just didn't believe him because uh, I had never been to Canada in my life, and I'd only been to the East Coast one time, and that was when we had went to New York earlier that season. We had played against Providence and Virginia Tech in the 2K Invitational. That was the first time I ever been to the East Coast. So I'm like, there's nobody from the East Coast calling my behalf, like, what my services? So uh, I called my high school coach, Tony Davis, who was a mentor of mine. And I asked him, I said, man, you heard of such and such school, Orange something? He said, yeah, Orange were prep. Like, didn't Jamal Murray go there? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so the person calling ended up being Tony McIntyre. Tony McIntyre is Tyler and Dylan Ennis' father. So Tyler had, I mean, Tony. Tony was the program director at Orangeville Prep. Um, he was the program director of CIA Bounce, which is a Nike Nike EYBL program. Uh, they produced Anthony Bennett, Tyler Ennis, obviously, Dylan Ennis, uh, Xavier Rayton Mays. Uh, I saw the Lou NBA Dort champion. Was Lou Dort came NBA from NBA champion too, Andrew right? Wiggins. Yep, NBA champ Andrew Wiggins. You're yeah. right. Uh, so it was, it was it was hands down the best Canadian program. So long story short, me and Tony got on the phone about two or three times. I accepted the job, um, and I accepted the job. I took a visit to the school, and this is a kind of I don't know if I ever said this on a podcast to be honest, but Coach Hopkins, man. Uh, he took a good chunk of money out of his own pocket to send me to Orangeville just to see it. Like a, a good chunk of money. Damn. Out of his own pocket to fly me out there for a day and a half just to see if I liked it or not, if I wanted to go. Wow. Uh, and that's just the kind of man that Coach Hopkins is. So um, long story short, I go, I visit, I come back, I decide I was going to do it. Uh, so off to Orangeville prep, I go. And uh, I was there for two years. I mean, we probably produced in the two years I was there, we probably produced 13 to 15 Division One kids, um, Canadian National Player of the Year, a couple of Bio Steel Canadian 
all Canadian kids, which is basically like the Canadian McDonald's All-American game. Um, then I left Orangeville when COVID hit. We had just got back from grind session. Uh, that had to be March 2020. Uh, I'm not thinking that COVID is going to be what COVID became. So I was in the I same boat, man. Don't, don't feel guilty. <laughs> man, man. So I initially didn't want to go home because me going home from Toronto all the way to LA is, is not close. And I got to deal with, you know, crossing the border and that whole, that whole extra step that it takes. Uh, I honestly didn't want to go home. I was going to stay in the dorms and just kind of ride it out and just be there. So Tony was like, nah, man, like I think you probably should go home. So I went home and, uh, you know, I'm just sitting there and I'm kind of just thinking like, you know, like I, I think I did a good two years in Canada. I think the Canadian basketball scene knows who I am. I think I gave it my all. Uh, and then a new opportunity arose with me going to AZ Compass Prep. Uh, so I left Canada in March. I think I was going to AZ Compass in June. Well, I set the job, I think, in May. Uh, then I arrived in Arizona in June. So It's a tough time to arrive in Arizona, I'll tell you that. I've lived in Arizona for about six years, and when you're moving June, that's tough. But, you know, there's, yeah. there's a beautiful winter for sure, too. Yeah. So I go to AZ Compass Prep. Um, and which I knew, I've known Coach Gibson and Coach Kathy just from Orangeville and Compass both being grind session programs. So we have played against each other every year out of Orangeville, same hotels, uh, that type of thing, whole camaraderie deal. And we just naturally hit it off. And uh, Coach Kathy's one of his former kids that he mentored, Rashad Vaughn, who was a first round draft pick, played on the Bucks with Tyler Ennis when they were younger. So Brandon, Tyler's brother, had already knew Pete already because they both were around the Bucks when Tyler and Rashad played together. Uh, so it just felt it just felt really comfortable for me the transition from Orangeville to Compass. Um, and the kind of people that Coach Caffey and Coach Gibson are, uh, we just hit it off. Like it was seamless. Uh, so I thought that was a good transition for me in that moment of time. And uh, it was perfect. So I get to now go coach Ty Ty Washington. Uh, Deron Holmes, Glenn Taylor Jr., Alden Applewhite, Devon Small, uh, Carson Basham, the list goes on. Um, and we had a really good year. We won the grind session championship. We went undefeated that year. And then we lost in the semis to Mount Verde, who ended up becoming the national champion um, at Geico Nationals. And that was Compass's first year qualifying for Geico. So, I mean, that's the best eight schools in the country. Uh, we won a game and then lost to the eventual national champion. So uh, before we got to Geico, uh, Coach Leggins called me and uh, he hired me. So I accepted the job and then I finished the year out of Compass. And uh, a few days after we got back from Florida from Geico, I was going off to Portland. I'll tell you what, and Jeremy. Now here I sit. <laughs> you got – you are a master – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Connector or networker. I mean, the amount of names that you were able to pull out and rely on. But obviously, of course, because you do a great job, they trust you. And I mean, Mike Hopkins, I'm sure he looked at that as an investment, that money that he he footed to get you out to Orangeville just to check mm -hmm. it out. 
Uh, that's an incredible story. And we're going to get into Hopkins a little bit, but I want to unpack a few things from that very detailed response, which I appreciate you sharing. First and foremost, let's go back all the way to when you were seven, eight years old. You said, look, if I'm not going to play for the Lakers, I'm going to coach him. Did you throw your hat in the ring this off season before Darvin Ham uh, <laughs> snatched up that job? I definitely did not. Um, the NBA isn't on my radar at all. <laughs> so uh, I just think that, you know, everybody knows that level. You don't understand the ins and outs of everything. But no, I did not. I'm going to let Darvin do what he does. Uh, I'm a Lakers fan through and through. Uh, and I wish him the very best. Uh, I wish him the very best. I wish he's there for a long time. And I don't know him at all, but uh, I'm a Lakers fan. And, you know, knowing his journey and his route and what he's gone through, uh, I think he's going to be pretty good. Hey, who knows down the road we might be seeing you in the state. Well, it's no longer the Staples Center anymore. What's it? The crypto, the crypto currency center or something like that now, right? You can call it what you want. It's the Staples <laughs> Center. I'll probably. I mean, look. Every, subconsciously. Every, every, every most night, if you ask in the nineties, baby, and probably early two thousands too. Like you ask him what that building is, it's the Staples Center. Somebody oh, had said crypto the other day, and they kind of, I kind of took a second, like where. I said, oh, yeah, I guess. But it's going to be staples for us forever. So <laughs> Forever yeah. staples. That's right. Um, going back to your time in Canada, okay, mm-hmm. was there ever a thought in your mind when you got the call or when you were discussing with Mike your next step, was there ever this thought of you saying, why should I go from a D1 college in a power mm-hmm. conference to mm-hmm. a prep school? Or am I not sort of, I might be thinking of this in a, you know, very linear fashion, mm-hmm. but does that go through, through your mind? Uh, well, that conversation that started with me going to coach Hawkins office. Uh, I, this may be a week before final four day or after. And I told him, and I just want to meet with him. I was hoping I can get five minutes from him. And I told him that in that five minutes turned into an hour, but I basically told him like, one, I'm afraid. Cause I don't have a job. <laughs> so like, I need your help. I was looking for some comfort. And then two, I told him I want to sit in his seat one day. And he said, well, if, I, if you want to sit in my seat, in my opinion, the, this is how I'd advise you to do it. And he just really believes in first and foremost, being a good basketball coach. So going to Orangeville would allow me to actually hone my craft and coach basketball, uh, be around good players. So in terms of like you talk about connection and network building, I got some pretty good players. So you kind of have to call me and talk to me. Uh, and by virtue of that, you know, you would think you would build some build a network uh, much bigger than the one I had at that particular time for sure. Uh, and that's just kind of how he looked at it. So given how he looked at it. And that's also given the perspective of me under having to understand that uh, he came from Syracuse for 20 something years, Like he played at that level. He coached at that level, recruited some of the best kids in the country. And me saying, I want to sit in his seat. That was his advice. So I don't say that to say that his advice like fits everyone uh, or that maybe he wouldn't even gave that advice to everyone. But for me and who I am and him evaluating me for 13 months, 14 months, that was his advice for me. And I think more so than just listening to him because he's Coach Hopkins, I think it actually really did, that route actually really did resonate with who I am as a person. Uh, 
and kind of how I and how I wanted to grow. You know, you hear some guys like they they they're student managers, then they're GAs, then they're video coordinators for a couple of years, and a director of operations for a couple of years, and then that's just not the route I wanted to take. Um, and I wasn't against having to take that route, but at just that moment in time, I had this the space and opportunity to choose. And I chose what I thought would be more fun and beneficial um, and more growth giving uh, to who I was at that time. So that's kind of like how that played out. And, uh, you know, I wasn't going to any regular degular prep school either. So that made it a little bit better in the sense too. like we had brand new dorms. We had the probably the biggest gym in high school, prep school basketball in in the greater Toronto area, uh, the BioSteel All Canadian game uses that or that gym at Orangeville as like their three point shootout dunk contest, like events, like locations. Uh, so I had a pretty good setup. Like I was at the prep level, but I had a pretty good setup. Like I was, I was in a good spot. So uh, I, I felt really strongly and confident about what I was doing. And then Coach Hopkins, for sure, obviously taught me, man, like you and Tony, personality wise, y'all hit it off. Obviously, it's a lot of good players. You're going to coach some good basketball. So, but as human beings, you and Tony are really going to hit it off. Uh, and you look up now, like, Tony's like a father figure to me. Uh, his wife basically adopted me. And, you know, they have seven kids already, and I became the other one. So there you have it. I mean, it, it was yeah. it was perfect for, for me, and, and, it's, and that route spoke to me. And that's really what that had, what that was about. Yeah, and it, it very much sounds like Hopkins has your best interests at heart. I mean, I think a lot of people can say that, but when you see the certain actions of a man who does some of the things that you had mentioned, it's very evident. And so I'm curious to know, did you get the Bayheim's Army job head coaching gig via Mike Hopkins? Like, was that the the route that you took? How did you become the head coach at Bayheim's Army? Um, So – that's everybody's assumption because obviously I'm not in the Syracuse world without Coach Hopkins, um, which Man, is I'll, I'll t- I was trying to put the webs together. Like I'm putting yeah. like, uh, like I'm an FBI yeah. agent or something. Yeah. What, so how'd you get everybody over starts, starts on the first stone and then multiple miss after that. But long story short, uh, one of Coach Hop's GAs when he was at Syracuse uh, is a coach named Katie Kalinsky, who is now an assistant at uh, Lafayette University. At the time, she was a GA at Syracuse, and she had came to Seattle for the summer to work some summer camps for Coach Hop. And then me and Katie hit it off. We're still friends. I saw her a few weeks ago when I was in Syracuse. Uh, and at the time, at the same time, well, so then me and Katie are friends for that year. I'm at Washington. I go to Orangeville, and then Eric Devendorf gets the job at Detroit. He's on staff at Detroit. So she put me and Eric in, in communication because obviously at that point now, I got the players. So for her helping Eric and then giving just me like a, you know, relationship type deal, um, she put us together. So me and Eric are building a relationship. Me and Eric hit it off. We're cool. And uh, long story short, Eric ended up leaving Detroit. And the summer between my two years there, so this has to be summer of 2019, uh, Eric, Eric, this is like August 2019. Eric calls me. He's like, man, I'm coming to Toronto. Um, and I bring some friends with me. I'm just thinking like it's his boys and they're going to Toronto. And 
Caravana may have been going on at the time too. So I'm thinking they about to just come out here and have fun and he was just gonna stop by just to check it out. Because again, obviously Eric Devendorf is a Syracuse legend and Tyler Ennis is as well. And he, Eric knows Tyler's dad. And so I think they just come and say, what's up? So they come, they get there and Eric's like with a group of five people and ended up becoming like a tour of the whole Orangeville campus. Uh, kind of long story short, uh, a man that was with them by the name of Adam Weitzman was a part of this party. And at the end of the tour, like me and Adam exchanged contact information uh, and then we stayed in touch. And there'll be times where uh, and Adam's really successful in what he does. He owns like the biggest private metal shredding recycling company in upstate New York. And every time just, you know, just being a connector and wanting to check in on guys and follow up, it'll be times where I'll be thinking of like, dang, I got to hit Adam and say, what's up? And I'll check my phone and Adam will be checking on me. Um, so Adam is a great guy. So long story short, I leave Orangeville. I go to Compass. I go to Portland. I'm here at Portland probably about two months. I get a call from Adam one day telling me that he actually, no. I saw on Instagram that Adam was joining with Beheim's Army. Uh, so Adam's joining Beheim's Army. I see it. So we kind of I briefly texted him about it and said, man, that's that's pretty big time. So he calls me a couple of days later. And in that phone call, he asked if I want to coach. So, and I'm sitting there, and he asked me if I wanted to coach. And I said, yeah. And I said to obviously had to double check with Coach Leggins to make sure that it was that was coach was clear. And as soon as we hung up, about a minute later, Eric texts me and goes, yeah, let's go. So I call Eric and I'm like, hey, bro, am I like an assistant or something? Or he's like, no, the head coach. I said, oh, wow. <laughs> so, so wait, you didn't even know you were going to be the head coach. No, I knew I was coaching, <laughs> but I didn't know I was going to be the head coach. So Eric confirmed, like, no, like, you're going to be the head coach. Uh, and that's basically how they went. So it was more so a relationship between Eric with, with Eric and Adam than it was like Coach Hop getting me the job. But obviously, without Coach Hop, I'm not in their world. So that's how they played out. Oh, that's funny, man. That is funny. I'll tell you what, yeah. I have DM'd shamelessly. I think maybe it was an email, Eric Devendorf, to see if he wanted to jump onto the program. So uh, I, hey, I might use you to, to see if Eric wants to jump on and tell that story from his perspective. But you're right. He was an absolute legend on those Syracuse Times Army. I mean, it, it, college hoop fans love and remember, right? And so, um, you know, looking at this, you got the Ennis, Tyler Ennis, who was on there, great player. Merrick Dolajai, I think, was on there. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Beheim, most recently, mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. Did I see CJ Fair, Rakeem Christmas as well? Some of these legendary Orange players. How was it? How was it like coaching them up? And how, how was it different also from the the youthfulness of the kids that you're usually coaching to seasoned vets and pros that have played overseas that have played in the NBA? What's that like? Uh, it's a different dynamic for sure. Uh, at that level, dealing with professionals and, and that and that type of thing is, is more obviously you are coaching them and good players do want to be coached. But it's also more it becomes more closer to partnership uh, than it does at the other levels. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to have some really good guys 
And maybe this, this was 10 years ago at the same age to coach those guys. I probably wasn't ready. Uh, but I feel like my journey has always like bled into the next phase of it somehow, some way. So I remember when I first got to Orangeville, because we're in Canada, they're playing FIBO rules. So these these college sets that I'm trying to run when I first get to Canada, like are not working. So that was the first time I had to start like really watching like Euro League basketball, Euro Cup basketball, and overseas basketball to like get some stuff going. So that like really grew my like basketball brain. Um, so I had all this stuff stored away on my hard drive. So when it was time to coach pros and do the pro thing, like I was prepared to do it because I had already prepared for it when I was in Canada. So coaching those guys, I mean, it's just a little different because they're adults. Half the team <laughs> is older than me. And you just have to be sharp. I think more than anything, good players want to be coached. And, you know, when you convey that you understand and you can give reason as to why things are happening uh, and then hold them accountable, I think you're in a good spot. Uh, but I was fortunate, and I don't know, I, I can imagine this is not the case all the time and everywhere, but Jim Beheim has recruited some good players and some good humans. So they accepted me. They listened to me, fortunately. Um, and I was now able to coach some really good, some really good, really good basketball players. And uh, we had fun with it. So I, I remember, though, like the first couple of days, it was kind of odd because, you know, with college kids and high school kids, you do almost everything together. You go from practice to team lunch to practice to team dinner. And after practice with Bayhine's Army, like guys are going their separate ways, like there's no designated eat dinner time. Uh, and I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of weird. Like, but they're grown adults. Like, they're going to go do what they, what they want. So, you know, from that standpoint, it's a little funny. But other than that, I mean, they're good basketball players who wanted to be coached and wanted direction. And uh, I was able to provide that. So we had we had a great time. Oh, and I think that's going to be something you probably carry with you in the, into the future, right? Being able to handle all of these different personalities and types of players as well moving forward. And so – in that same breath, we got to transition now, Jeremy, to your current team, Portland. And I want to start with the head coach, Shante Leggins. Excuse me. Um, this guy is so fascinating to me. And I think he's one of the more underrated coaches in the entire country. I say that because of the absolute master class job that he did at Eastern Washington, right? Mm -hmm. He led that team to the tournament. I believe he was the head coach when like Tanner Groves was on Eastern Washington. Yep. They gave, yep. who do they give a, a hard time in that opening round game? I'm trying to remember. Kansas. It was Kansas. You're right. It was Kansas. Um, Leggins came from there. And for my money, I think the year prior to that, when the tournament was canceled, he had a good mm -hmm. enough resume and was probably going to win his conference to get to the tournament. Yep. So I'm giving uh, coach Leggins over there, two tournament berths at Eastern Washington. <laughs> What's it like working for him? Tell us a little bit about him. <laughs> uh, it's great. It's great. Uh, I think because my basketball journey has been so rich uh, and so different at a young age. Like I, I, under, I understand I've been afforded and been blessed to do some things that a lot of people at my age have not been blessed and able to do. And given that, like my, like I said, mentioned before, my basketball brain has grown so much and so fast at a rapid pace that is really uh is really great for me 
on an everyday basis to know that I'm learning because he's such a great basketball coach. Uh, like he can coach some basketball. Like I think, you know, in the years of our industry and profession, uh, you hear some stories about some guys not being good X and O guys or not being good uh, player coaches or whatever. Uh, he's the whole package. He's really the whole package. Uh, so I get to, on an everyday basis, actually really learn from him every day. Uh, and our relationship goes back to when I was about 16, 17 years old. Just because Leggins is also a Los Angeles Rockfish guy. So Dave Benezra, who I said was my coach in program director the program I played and coached for Shantae played for him as well and I remember coach Benezra used to like you know just jam my name down Shantae's throw all the time well down coach Leggins see we so close I call Shantae sometimes um but down coach Leggins throw and I remember when I was coaching Rockfish coach Leggins will come like you know playing at high schools so you like you're doing your warm-up walkthroughs like a random 300 wing of a high school or something and I remember, I remember him standing behind me, like watching me put my team, my team through off groups. Um, so I've known him a long time. Uh, obviously, Coach Suarez and Coach Lippo has worked with him, worked with him longer, but I've known him longer. Just you know, and just had a relationship with him longer. Um, so I mean, I get to be around somebody I'm comfortable with. He lets me be who I am. Um, I learn every day. He gives me responsibility. And, uh, and he's not like a micromanager. He gives you a job and he lets you figure it out. And if I need some direction, I'll ask him. Because, again, he was an assistant. Like he still today has been an assistant long when he's been a head coach. Uh, so the stuff I'm doing, he's done it already. And I'm at Portland. And he was at Eastern Washington. So I got a little bit more resources to be able to bob and weave and get some stuff done than he did. So, you know, regardless of the current playing career he had, which was pretty good, uh, like he doesn't walk around as though like he's entitled or anything. Like he's a really hard worker. I go to sleep every night knowing that my head coach is working. Um, like I just know it. Like I know at the end of the day, I feel I, I, I have solace in the fact to know that like my head coach is working. And at the end of the day, he can coach his butt off. Um, and when I'm out recruiting and I'm in the world, like he doesn't, Shantae's not like an overly friendly guy like he has friends obviously but he's not overextending himself but people if anything they tell me man i don't know your boss that much but he can coach some basketball so everybody knows that uh, and it's been great working for him and, and i think the way i'm a division one assistant coach and i think the way i became that as far for me in my life and how it's played out uh, it makes all the sense in the world for me that he hired me and i hope he feels the same way and i think he does but uh, you know, he, he, he's great to work for. Yeah, absolutely. I think you and everyone else nailed it best. Man can coach some ball. And it's very – it's if you just take a step back and you look at, like I said, what he's done at Eastern Washington, even you guys last year in his first season, you guys went 19 and 15, which is pretty damn good, right, mm -hmm. in, a, in, in building something. Shantae Leggins absolutely can coach some ball. So I'm curious yeah. to know because – on this program, obviously, theater in college hoops, our audience, the two biggest names that you've been in close contact with and that you've worked for, Mike Hopkins and Coach Leggins. Give me a little bit of a compare and contrast. What are some differences that you see in them? What what are some similarities as well, if anything? What's it like? What's it been like working for both of those uh, gentlemen? 
really different because they come from different worlds. Uh, they both, I mean, Coach Hopkins played at Syracuse, Coach Legan played at Cal and at Fresno State. Had a, they both had good careers. Uh, but Coach Hopkins, as a person, like his his energy is like it's through the roof. Uh, I remember walking around, like you know, I'm, when I'm in Syracuse and people like either realize who I am or I get to talking. They're like, man, I love how everybody loves hot. Everybody loves hot. Um, and to be around him to see him on day, but like you understand why. Like he has one of the most infectious personalities, and he, his energy is so high all the time. Sometimes to a fault. Like you got to tell him, man, slow down. Like go to sleep at night. You got to, you know, make sure he's good. Uh, so from that standpoint, I mean, he's a winner. He's a national. He won a national championship. I mean, the guy's successful for a reason. Like everybody loves him, and you just can't get enough of him. And he's a great person to be around every day. Uh, you know, at the time, Coach Dollar's kids was running around the office. Coach Conroy's kids running around the office. Uh, he's a familiar. He understands and appreciates family, and he wants them around. And I mean, tougher together is his, is the mantra, um, and he means that on the court and off the court. So he's just more of a energetic, louder, like dynamic personality than Coach Legan. But at the same time, and he's like that, like with the, with almost everyone. Coach Leggins just doesn't expend his energy like that with everyone. He has spent like with us, like he's like, we laugh and joke all day long. Um, our doors are open at Portland all the time. Anybody is welcome. And we mean anybody, like, <laughs> you know, so I remember when we first got there, they were like, man, like it's a party down there, <laughs> you know? So we got the TV going, music playing. Uh, so they're just a little different that way as far as like the extra version, I guess. Um, but I mean, Coach Leggins is if people have watched him coach and watched him play, like he's fiery in his own right. Uh, and he gets after it. And uh, I mean, it's been great. So just a little bit different with, with them both. Uh, but I'll just say Hop is a little more extroverted and more louder than Leggins is, even though Leggins it can be that way as well, too. Let me tell you something. This is exactly why we love having guys like you on, because if I were to just make that judgment based off of what of the amount of basketball that I watch from my couch, I would have been like, nah, I feel like Mike Hopkins is a little bit more introverted, quieter, maybe a little sterner. He's got the rolled up button down shirt, right? He's got, he's got the, he's got the jacket in two possessions. Yeah, yeah. man. He's, he's, yeah. And, and you know what? He's, he's not going with the jumpsuit and the more casual look that has been a result of COVID. I feel like he's back in his full, coaching attire but that's very interesting and we can't and we can't get legs in a suit for nothing so yeah I, <laughs> there that goes so that's funny that's funny so i want to focus on the team now i want to focus on this pilot basketball team and mm -hmm. jeremy look you can keep me honest here you can put me in my place but as an observer of the sport the class of the west coast conference are the Gonzaga Bulldogs in my estimation. Okay. And I think a lot of other mm -hmm. people's estimation, what is the message that you're sending to a team that's building something? Like I had mentioned, you finished 19 and 15 last year. Um, but what's the message to a team, your team, uh, when there is that no pun intended top dog that everyone's trying to shoot, shoot for. And there's other good programs out in the WCC San Francisco was in the tournament last year St. Mary's is usually pretty good what's the message for you guys coach Leggins wants nothing to do with you if in your mind you don't think that you can be Gonzaga so for us I mean you know I think we 
we understand that we're pretty good and he keeps the standard right there like the standard doesn't drop because like their name is gonzaga like that's what we're chasing like that level of greatness is what they're chasing is what we're chasing um so they've done the gonzaga has done a good job of being who they are and growing the program and getting investment and that type of deal um and coach leggings pushes us every day even as a staff to to chase that uh, and I think the guys, because we, we return a good amount of guys, some mature guys, older guys, uh, they understand, like, like what's going on. And because of that, you know, there's, there's some tough days sometimes. And some days are fun. Uh, but the guys at the end of the day, they understand, like, what we're trying to do here. They understand the nature of our conference. They understand the national eyes that are on it. Uh, I mean, we walked in the door, they were a top seven conference and we're still top 10 to the top nine, top 10 to the day. So, I mean, WCC basketball is, is high level basketball and you see high major transfers coming into this league all the time, not going to Gonzaga. So I think the so league I, in itself. Jeremy, I want to mm -hmm. ask you about that actually real quick, because I agree WCC is a high major conference. Do you think there's a bit of an East Coast bias when it comes to those West Coast uh, conferences? like the WCC, maybe like the Mountain West, the Pac-12, where do you feel like maybe some writers aren't staying up on the East Coast like they should be watching your games, or is that kind of a myth? No, I mean, they're not. <laughs> I mean, I've been in the Pac-12 before, like, and we feel there's the East Coast bias at that level too. So if the Pac-12 is getting East Coast bias, I'm pretty sure the WCC is as well. And I mean, it's by virtue, they're three hours ahead of us, so – the game starts at 7 8 o'clock, like it's 11 o'clock there. They got to go to sleep, and I get it. So I don't know, man. I, I'd, I'd argue I'd argue that's your job, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, you know, at the same time, uh, health is wealth, too. So I guess guys need their rest. And, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that they think like it's bad basketball. I just, it's just not as many eyes on it. Um, in my in my opinion but i mean at the end of the day when you walk three teams into the ncaa tournament and two teams in the nit and then we're playing in the postseason you got six teams playing in postseason basketball um you have to pay attention and then so i think the kids are paying attention that's why you see a stanford kid and an oklahoma kid going to lmu you see two oklahoma state kids going to pacific um we had a mississippi state kid come here um the ice the coach that plays for us now gonzaga's getting guys like San Diego's got an Oregon Stanford transfers. Like, I mean, it's high level. Like, if you don't bring it, you will get popped. Uh, so to go through it last year and, and had a level of success we had, it was cool. But because our staff and Coach Leggins, we don't care. Like, you know, we're going for the number one spot. So uh, he just ingrains that fight in everyone that's around him. Uh, you have no choice but to get down that way. So. That's awesome. That's where we are. I but we, that. I mean, that's just where we are. I mean, Portland's a great city. It's in a great conference. We play away Basketball games. Basketball city cities. too. Yeah. Basketball city. Basketball city. We don't have a football team on count. I mean, nobody in the conference does, but um, it's a basketball rich city. It's a small familial place. Uh, not hard to get to. And then when we travel, we're in great cities as well. So uh, the conference in general, is, it's a great conference. It's tough. It's Absolutely. Tough. It is. And I, I want to take a look back at a few particular games from last season that contributed to that 19 and 15 campaign. First of all, you only lost by a combined five points to an NCAA tournament team in Montana State last year. You played them twice, if I'm not mistaken, lost by three, one game, 
lost by two. First of all, how did you end up playing Montana State twice if they're not they're not in your conference, right? So I'm curious how that happened. We were, they were already on the schedule. If it, if it played out this way, my understanding is that they're already on the schedule. And so, uh, go ahead. Sorry, we played them. We played them in an MTE. Yeah, you were in the so the first yeah. time it was, you it was, them, it was, was an MTE that they weren't involved in initially. Got it. And then they ended up getting in, and then there you go. We got to play them twice. So, got it. That's interesting yeah. though. But yeah, yeah, I mean that that game, and then also you played two games, and I think in a matter of three days against San Francisco, another yeah. uh, NCAA tournament team. I'm looking at. I was looking at your schedule, and I was looking at uh, your performances. Did did those games kind of stand out to you as maybe uh, games that you could take away from? Because like I said, you only lost by a combined five points to Montana State. You end up beating San Francisco once by one point uh, after falling only by three points. I mean, you're right there is what I'm basically getting at. You're right mm. there if you look at these score lines. Were, were there any games or turning points in last season where you guys said, hey, we have some really encouraging stuff going on here in Portland? Yeah, I mean, even the the t- losing to Montana State, the first time we played them, like we had to we had to understand like that Montana State team was pretty mature, and those guys had been together, and sh- and I wasn't a part of it. But Coach Leggins, Coach Forrest, and Coach Lipple had just beat Montana State in the Big Sky Championship game to go to the tournament. So that Montana State team was really hungry to get the lick back on Coach Leggins, uh, you know, and then. Playing them at home was tough. I mean, it was loud in there. Like, it was tough. And they made a game winner and had tip your hats to them. And Coach Sprinkle does a hell of a job. I mean, he's a he's a hell of a basketball coach. And I've known him since I was a teenager as well. Mark so, was referencing him a couple times as well, for sure, in that previous interview yeah, that I had with I'm, him. Yes. Sprinkle's a good dude. That's my guy. Sprinkle's a good dude. Um, so they got us. And then, you know, you play San Francisco. And – Couple plays went there. A couple plays, possessions went their way that we thought we let get out of our hands, and you know we take one at home, and then we turn around a couple of days later and we go to San Francisco and we walk out with a win. Uh, so you know, I think you always think like, man, you got a chance. We got a pretty good team. We can do this. We can do that. But you kind of sometimes need like that that win to kind of like really to really kind of nail it home for you and kind of put other people. Um, and make them aware kind of what you are. And I think that was like kind of like the perfect time for us to kind of hit that stride. Because uh, you want to be really – you want to be a really good basketball team coming down the stretch. And I think we had, we had hit that stride and, you know, we were we were good. So, yeah, those were, those were a few of the things when I was doing research. Those were the biggest things that popped out to me about last season. Obviously, there's a ton of excitement and anticipation for this upcoming season. I want to ask you, Jeremy, and look, don't go all, uh, you know, I love all of my kids the exact same way. Who are some players for Portland, one or two names that you can give me that the country should be on the lookout for that are going to be high-impact players and that are going to make some noise, not only in the conference, but potentially nationally? Uh, I mean, fortunately, we, we return the level of team in, in terms of maturity and experience that we do. I think on paper, you have to go with Tyler Robertson, who was all WC second team this past year. I think he was the only kid in the country to have a 30-point triple-double last year. And then you have Moses Wood, who was who was all WC honorable mention in his first year here. 
um, at his third school. And he shot around 44, 45%. Um, and he played really well for us. So I think obviously those two guys jump off. We got a lot of talented kids, but those two, if those two have really good nights, we'd be we'd be a much better team on most nights. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to to seeing them. And it's always fun to to try and get ahead of who some of these guys are that, you know, come December, January, you're like, oh damn, you know, you look you look up, they're having a great yeah. season. I kind of like getting ahead of that here in, yeah. in the summer. But I mean, but you look up though, I mean, our starting point guard, Mike Meadows, was the point guard on that Eastern Washington team that almost beat Kansas. So he's and he's Kihei's best friend. So, uh, you know, they're kind of cut from the same cloth in the sense of being tough and winning. And then Christian Jolin, um, who had 23 and 18 at San Francisco, uh, he started his career off at Georgia Tech. So you just know where his level of talent is. And he's 6'8", 6'9", and he shoots shoots the leather off of it. So we got some, we got some good guys. Um, and we're excited about it. And, uh, you know, we're going to push them every day and make sure they're not complacent. Yeah, we're going to look forward to that. You know what else we're looking forward to, and I'm sure you are as well, the Phil Knight Invitational. You guys got the runner-up on your schedule. Yeah, <laughs> You got Carolina, baby. Don't we know how, it. How fired up are you for that game? Look, and, and it's not, you know, we're getting ready for game one of the season. I'm not going to lie to you, man. That Phil Knight Invitational is going to be a blast because if you pull that off, then I believe either Nova or Iowa State await you. So tell us a little bit about how excited you are for that and the competition coming up to Oregon. Uh, it's going to be good. I think in our schedule, I think I looked at it, we have nine straight games in the city of Portland, whether that be at home at Child Center or, or the PK event. Um, so we're excited about that. But, I mean, you get the national runner-up on Thanksgiving morning. What more can you ask for on Thanksgiving? Um uh, so we're going to toss that ball up and they're going to have to deal with us and we got to deal with them. And then you're going to look up and it's going to be a final score. So that's uh, fun. I didn't know, you know it was on have, Thanksgiving day. Yeah. It's on Thanksgiving day. So the same time though, we've got a level of team and a level of maturity, I think to where we can come in and there and shock the world. Uh, you know, our guys will be ready. They see it on the schedule, just like North Carolina sees it on the schedule. Um, and we'll meet up that morning and we'll get to it and, then winner or lose, uh, we got the winner or loser of Villanova, Iowa State, and which both of those teams that went to the tournament last year, uh, Iowa State just signed a really good kid in Omaha, Baloo. Uh, Villanova is Villanova. I mean, it speaks for itself. And, uh, you know, we're going to figure out. It's a tough deal, but it's what you play for. You want to get to the NCAA tournament, man, You and want to win some games, you better have a few of these kind of games under your belt already anyway to pull from. So. We're excited about it. Would be a hell of a resume booster for sure. If you pull off that that win against Carolina, those those Thanksgiving plates are going to be filled to the brim. I hope every inch of, of those Thanksgiving plates are, are covered. But, I mean, I was looking at the schedule. That's going to be a lot of fun and, and very much looking forward to that invitational, one of those early season tournaments that we can all get excited about. Uh, but Jeremy, I'm going to get you out of here on a, a few quick hitters, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, what's the wildest arena or environment that you've coached in? Wildest arena or environment? Um, when I was a GA at Washington, we beat DeAndre Ayton in Arizona at home on a buzzer beater. 
was 10, that 10,000 10, seat to capacity uh buzzer beater right in front of our bench was was one of the craziest moments um uh, that, that was super bowl sunday wasn't it have been a part of uh possibly i think it was possibly. the patriots eagles it was the patriots eagles super bowl i'm pretty sure the reason I remember that is because I'm an Arizona guy. <laughs> my my one of my co-hosts were Arizona guys, and I remember seeing that. Who hit that shot? Uh, Dominic Green. Oh Dominic, man, Dominic that... Green uh, hit that shot. Jalen Noel, who now plays for Timberwolves, had it out top. Isos get down the hill, throws it up. DeAndre Ayton slaps it. <laughs> Dominic recovers it, throws it up there. Sweet, nothing but the bottom. Uh, right in front of our bench rest the floor um so that was like one of the craziest games i would say that i've coached in um byu this past year got after it that thing is crazy um i'm probably missing one or two but i mean when i was at compass was in terms of capacity it wasn't as big but when i was at compass we played paulo banchero for the grind fashion championship um and we won that game on a buzzer beer and that floor got rushed as well, too. So um, I've had some good moments, but I'm probably missing some. But that comes to mind, that Arizona-Washington one probably sits, sits probably top two, yeah. if not one for sure. I've long said, like I said, as an Arizona guy, going up to Seattle's a bugaboo, man. I, I got no issues going up to Pullman. I don't know if Arizona's lost to Washington State since, like, Clay Thompson's been there. But when they mm-hmm. go to Seattle – that's a tough arena to win in. And obviously Lorenzo Romar brought some great players. Mike Hopkins doing the same, same thing. So mm-hmm. Seattle's a tough, tough environment for sure. And yeah. then um, BYU, you're not the only one that's mentioned that. I, I know for a fact it's been mentioned on this program by former players uh, and coaches mm-hmm. as well. It's tough out there. It's tough out there at BYU. Now on the flip side, what's the lamest? I mean, have you ever been in an environment where you're just like, God, I'm sleepy. There's no Lamest. juice in here. Uh, that that MTE event in San Antonio this past year was kind of tough. It, 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 it was kind of tough. Um, just because, like, of where it is and, you know, like, it it, it was tough. Whatever the reasons were, it was, you had to bring your own energy and bring your own juice to get it going in there. So, like, it wasn't a fan thing um, after why teams walked out of that event su- successful to whatever level of success they had walking out of there. Uh, that was a, that was a, that was a tough deal. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. you mentioned, you mentioned Paolo's name. You also said mm-hmm. Seattle is a very quote, I believe familial place, right? Very mm-hmm. cordial place. What's going on between Paolo and uh, DeJounte Murray. We got a little bit of beef up in Seattle, man. What, can you assess the situation? You said it was it was nice and cordial up there. I thought the players had each other's backs. Uh, more than anything, they do. I mean, but at the same time, brothers also fight all the time too. And I really just think that's just that's really just what it is. Uh, I phoned some of my Seattle guys uh, earlier actually, and it's all good. I mean, nothing. They're going to be hugging again, and you're going to see it. Watch. I'm telling you, they're going to be hugging again at some point, and they're going to figure it out. But brothers fight. Again, Seattle's a small place, too. Well, comparison to L.A., where I'm from, it's a small place. Important thing is smaller than that. But like I said, so as big as Seattle is, it's still also small, and the community small. small. I wouldn't be shocked if 
Jamal Crawford called and made them have a kumbaya or something. <laughs> like, uh, but that's just competition. I mean, Isaiah Thomas throws a wonderful event year in, year out, uh, and it gets heated. And, you know, there you have it. So, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it's hit social media and it's taking every, it's taking for everybody nasty to see it. But I mean, the nah. guys of their caliber is going to be a national story. So, there that goes. I, I hope you and everyone listening knows that question was asked tongue in cheek. I'm I'm not over here about to be like Skip Bayless or someone on on uh, inside the NBA. Actually, inside the NBA on TNT is great. They wouldn't fall for this kind of nonsense. But like any of those ESPN shows that are like, oh, we're circling, uh, we're circling Hawks Magic now. Yeah. You know, like obviously yeah. this is just a small time beef. But uh, you know, I, I did find that interesting because like I've I've talked to a lot of Pacific Northwest people. Uh, Landed Lucas, who's from the Portland area, he knows that there is that brotherhood in Seattle. And so mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. usually see them linking arms. Um, we'll see what happens here here in the future. But you're right. I think you yeah. assessed that. I mean, I'm, I'm certain if, if somebody went up and said something to Paolo and DeJounte was around, he, he wouldn't have it. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. I can say something, but you can't. Probably do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Hey, we'll get you out of here on this, Jeremy. We end every interview with our segment. And again, it's, uh, this was how you got on this program as a result of what we call bring them up on stage. Do you have any names mm-hmm. that you think I should reach out to, to chop it up with this here on uh, uh, theater and college hoops? Um, I don't know if a moral Morgan has already been on here or not. We have not a, gotten. He's a uh, top assistant at Logo Chicago. Um, Manny Dosange is one of my best friends in this, in the world uh, started because of this business, but we spent two years together at Orangeville and he became a, a GA at Michigan state the last two years. And talking about big time. I mean, he left from being a GA to being a division one assistant right now at Western Michigan with Dwayne Stevens. Um, so he has a wonderful story. Uh, what else comes to mind? Uh, I know Mark mentioned AC at North Texas. Uh, Tomorrow, Manny AC. Somebody gonna be mad at me. I ain't. I ain't remember. Uh, Justin Hawkins at at Pacific. We're in the same conference. Uh, he's also a confident magic kid like Mark, who who's in our profession as well. That has a great story. Played at UNLV. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what comes to mind right now. I know I'm missing some people. I probably should be saying, but that's what comes to mind right now. Hey Jeremy, so, I appreciate yeah. that. I, I mean, those are those are great names. I'm not expecting you to empty the uh, the contact list, the full contact yeah. list in your <laughs> phone. So these are great, Jeremy Pope. Man, we had an absolute blast with you. This was great insight. We're so looking forward to Portland this upcoming year. And like I said, I I got the Phil Knight Invitational circled, and we cannot wait to see what you guys do in year two of the Leggins era. Thank you so much, Jeremy. My God, man, it was a pleasure having me. Uh, what you do is great. Uh, I, I remember being younger in this profession and going on long road trips. Anything going to a game that was long or far, like these love, these kind of podcasts is like what got me through, to be honest. Like hearing people's stories, the journeys, how, how the stars connect and how they align. Uh, like what you, what, you, what you do is really good and really beneficial to – two young coaches who are you know, ascending and, and looking forward to, you know, find some hope and why they should keep going. Cause you know, I understand this thing isn't the easiest thing in the world. I've been blessed to have the people in my life that I have. Um, 
but you know, people telling these stories like this on platforms like these are uh, are invaluable, man. So I appreciate you having me. Thank you. It was an honor, man. Those are those are very powerful, moving words. I appreciate the kind words, Jeremy. But like I said, having interviewed you, Mark, young guys that have paid your dues and are rising bright stars. I hope we can uh, reach an audience of like a 21, 22 year old. And we had Ruben Williams, who's a GA at Arkansas, yeah. who's doing wonderful work there in Fayetteville. So my, my, this my only boy. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> he's got some great stories, man. They got a good team. Um, yeah. So, I mean, honestly though, Jeremy, this doesn't happen without your guys's insight, your guys's stories and candor and uh, ability to jump on. So thank you again, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, my guy, it was a pleasure. We'll talk soon. Okay, we want to thank Jeremy Pope for jumping onto the program. That was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed that. I'm looking forward to this Portland team next year. Like we had mentioned, the the WCC had St. Mary, San Francisco, and of course Gonzaga in the tournament. Year one under Coach Leggins. 19 and 15, a really, really encouraging start for the pilots. And this upcoming year is going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, I'm very much looking forward to the Phil Knight Invitational. There's a lot of good teams. There are a lot of good competition. Oregon, Portland, Iowa State, UNC, the national runner-up. Let's see how this pilot team can match up. And we'll be sure to reach out to, to Jeremy uh, to see if, he's, if, if the excitement has grown, I suppose, as the date approaches. All right. Let's go ahead, though, and get on out of here real quick with this week in feet you guys remember greg marshall yeah wichita state coach greg marshall uh this week in feet in 2016 wichita state coach greg marshall was ejected after a referee confrontation i'm going to read this little brief article an exhibition game between wichita state and mcgill university on tuesday in montreal took a turn for the unexpected when shockers men's basketball coach Greg Marshall began shouting and charging towards referees. According to the Wichita Eagle, the confrontation began after Marshall earned a second tech and was ejected in the Shocker 77-71 win. Cell phone video showed Marshall being restrained by Wichita State players and coaching staff as he repeatedly tried to confront the referees. Quote, there were players with stitches, concussions, not keeping score accurately, a bloodbath, then touch fouls on us. Marshall told ESPN's Andy Katz on Wednesday, I'm not happy nor proud of the reaction, but when is enough enough? I want my players to know I've got their back. Once ejected, I wanted the ref to know exactly my impression of his work. The video showed Marshall yelling and pointing his finger, and at one point he marched right up to the face of one of the officials. Quote, once I reacted, I said, I might as well get my money's worth, Marshall told the Wichita Eagle. Marshall eventually was escorted off the court by Wichita State staff amid a smattering of boos from the small crowd. Quote, once coach got kicked out, we all got in a huddle and said, we need to do this for coach forward Daryl Willis said. Fueled by Marshall's dramatics, the Shockers closed the game on a 12-11 run and improved to 2-1 on their four-game exhibition tour. Marshall said he appreciated the team having his back. So this week in feet, Greg Marshall, no longer at Wichita State, of course, right now, but I honestly forgot all about that. Folks, no need to lose your head over exhibition games. So we're going to go ahead, get on out of here. We want to thank Jeremy Pope yet again for jumping on. It was a lot of fun, and we wish his Portland Pilots the best of success moving forward. And we thank you for checking us out and listening to Theater and College Hoops. We will catch you next time.